0: This is the Wealth ability for CPAs show, Better Clients, Better Practice, Better Life. Here's Tom Wheelwright.
1: Welcome to the Wealthability Show for CPAs, where we're always discovering how to build better clients, better practice, and a better life. Hi, this is Tom Wheelwright, your host, founder and CEO of the Wealthability Network. So um, Biden's massive estate tax plan, uh, which is not being even discussed as an estate tax plan, but rather a capital gains plan, as if that makes a difference, uh, is, has the potential of radically changing the landscape. And we have a limited uh, opening here, a window of opportunity this year, um, because these proposals don't actually, for the most part, take effect until 2022. So I think we've got a very narrow window. And I actually think that we have a, a huge responsibility to our clients to get the word to them and give them a choice of what what to do. We're all about giving our clients a choice, um, but they don't get a choice if they don't understand and they don't understand the urgency of what's going on and why this is so important to them. Even if all they've got is uh, you know a house that you know that they inherited from their grandmother in California, um, they could absolutely be subject to these uh, potential uh, tax increases. So uh, with me today, I'm very excited to have uh, Jim Cunningham, who's an estate and trust planning attorney. Uh, Very excited, Jim. Jim is in California, which we refer to as the People's Republic of California. Um, And so, uh, Jim, welcome to the show. And if you would just give us a little bit about your background.
0: Well, thanks for having me, Tom. I really appreciate it. Uh, My name is Jim Cunningham. I am a certified specialist in estate planning, trust and probate law, author of the book, Savvy Estate Planning, What You Need to Know Before You Hire the Right Lawyer, which is a bunch of stories uh, that is great for lay people to, to take a look at. And that's uh, obviously out there on Amazon. I we run a, a law firm of uh, all across the state, northern Southern California and the capital region, which is Sacramento. And we help a variety of clients and we tend to focus on the mass affluent, which is, you know, you pick a number, it's five million to hundred million, whatever it is. Uh, but we're really helping out a lot of people who are very concerned about this. And Tom, you mentioned people who just have a house. Well, you know, if your client just has a house in California, that might be a $5 million piece of property. It might be a $500,000 piece of property, but there's some pretty significant tax um, issues surrounding housing and houses, uh, especially in the higher, uh, more urban uh, affluent or water areas of California.
1: Well, and and of course, in the CPA community, all of our clients are entrepreneurs. So they're small businesses, and this is a tax also on those businesses. So, um, you know, CPAs tend to be, Jim, we, we tend to be a little too narrowly focused in my opinion on um, income tax, right? Income tax planning, income tax returns. Um, we think of uh, frequently, I hear CPAs saying, well, estate planning, that's for the estate planning attorneys. Uh, why do you think that the CPAs need to get involved? Now I have my opinion of why CPAs need to get involved. Why do they need to get involved? And why now instead of waiting until this thing passes?
0: Well, here's, here's why they need to get involved because a CPA has a tremendous amount of value to add to a, a client and a client's family and the, and the building of intergenerational wealth because you have a handle on really the assets and uh, you, know, you guys know your clients really well. A CPA meets with their client every year, much like a, a competent financial advisor meets with their clients. Attorneys, estate planning attorneys, we might meet with their clients once every 10 years, once every five years. At our firm, we say, we're going to offer you a free review every three years. Hardly any law firms do that. I want to stay in contact with my clients um, because, frankly, I want to do a good job. So, uh, but uh, CPAs can add a tremendous value. But Tom, I think you know. I look at this as a three-legged stool. You've got the CPA, you have the financial professional, and the lawyer. They each have different perspectives. I, I, I tend to think CPAs are trained to be backward-looking, and I don't mean that. I, I don't mean that negatively. It's like the game is over. There is a score. Who won? Who lost? What are the stats? So when your client shows up in February or March uh, for, you know, the prior tax year to do the 1040, it's too late to do a lot. Of, I mean, there are some things you can do, but the needle moving things, um, oftentimes it's too late Estate And so, like you said, there's an income tax focus retrospective. Typically estate planning attorneys are not as focused on income tax. They're focused on death taxes and capital gains taxes, but they're future focused Oftentimes it's the financial advisor. I'm presuming that they're a competent financial advisor is going to be meeting with the client to engage in some tax planning. But those are three necessary elements that have to come together. And I will tell you, Tom, as as a confession, as a lawyer, I will tell you my industry law, there's a gap in prospective income tax planning. So prospective income tax planning. So we're in July. This is we're meeting with clients right now to do tax planning, right? They kind of know what they're going to make the business owners. And, you know, if you make over a million dollars a year as, as a business owner and you have some capital, really, there are so many opportunities to pay less tax. Um, I don't want to say they're limitless, but our clients that have a lot of cash and a lot of income, they tend to pay less tax, right?
1: Well, for sure. And, and here's, here's the thing. This is what we're always uh, telling our members of our network is that income tax and estate tax plan go together. Now, what's happened with the Biden uh, proposals is that he's, brought them together, uh, really, for the first time, because historically, right, there's a the state of, uh, well, I, you know, I, I, my estate's not going to be, you know, more than $10 million. Okay, well, then, you know, with a $23 million, uh, $23 million exclusion between the couple, you know, yeah, we want, we'd rather have the step up in basis, right, right. than we would Uh, transfer in the app. So we don't want to transfer those assets right now. We just want to set up a living trust, for example, and make sure that things are easy when, you know, when when we die. Um, But now we're talking about a potential capital gains tax um, in multiple situations. So we've got a potential capital gains tax on a gift, a potential capital gains tax at death on unrealized gain, a potential capital gains tax when actually funding an limited liability company or Mm -hmm. a partnership, right? That's uh, in this proposal. So any kind of transfer now, I mean, they're literally talking about throwing out section 721 and 731 of the Internal Revenue Code um, uh, uh, for property going into a partnership or coming out of a partnership. And so to me, I mean, this is such a massive tax change. I've told people, and I'd like your um, feedback on this, Jim. I think if this were to pass, this would be the biggest tax policy change in, since 1913 um, in, in the U.S. tax law. And
0: so, oh, oh, yeah, I mean, and, and I think a lot of bad, I mean, I'm, I'm just going to speak like nonpartisan. I think there's a lot of bad policy in here because we we have a shortage of housing in the United States. Mm-hmm. Um, we don't have a shortage of rich people. So I think really what they're trying to do is they're trying to kind of shake the the tree, if you will, and get some money from the wealthier people and get it through taxation right and through redistribution of wealth and i'm saying this right. apolitically because this is actually what's happening right. uh, but i will tell you there's I, I will tell you there's a fundamental unfairness when you look at when you if you have capital and it's january 1 of a given year the government's not taking 20 percent of your capital okay if you start out working january 1 and you have no assets and all you have is your labor you're paying about 20 percent, right when you add up payroll taxes and everything that system that is not fair and i'm not saying steal from the rich and give to the poor Robin Hood thing, but we really need to rethink it. I think this is a bad way to go. I think just when, you know, they've been talking a lot about racial equality and inequality, and just when we're, at least in California, we're starting to see people who aren't white actually accumulate wealth. Now they're, right now it's going to be taken away. I mean, I think there are a lot of fairness issues um, and and this is not solving the problem, uh, unfortunately.
1: So so you, um, in in your planning, uh, I read some of uh, some of your material you like trusts you use a lot of trust right. um, I, I think accountants are not as familiar with trusts as they tend to be with partnerships and corporations so right. talk a little bit about why first of all why do we need to plan now even though this thing may never pass why do we need to start now let's start there and let's then let's go into to trust um, as a vehicle to start playing now but why why do we need to start now and start instead of waiting until November
0: well, well okay so uh, several things um, number one if Biden does not get his way uh, the the Trump tax cuts expire they sunset uh, December 31 of 2025 so January 1 2026 we're back under the the prior laws so there is going to be a tax increase even if Biden doesn't get his way and so ideal in I try to deal in reality as a lawyer, which is this is what the law is, and let's plan based on what the law is. Also remember, gifts made within three years of death come back into the estate. So the real date, even if even if none of this gets through, the real date for gifting is December 31 of 2022, because you need to survive three years, otherwise those gifts come back into the estate. So that's just something as a tax professional, I think, to to have some mindfulness about. Um, these dates, um, you, you have to do things several years in advance uh, for for estates. But I would say on, on a base level, if you're a CPA, if you're an EA, if you're a tax professional, you need to understand if you're handling a trust, you know, a 1041, or you're interacting with the trust, you really do need to understand what the trust says, okay, obviously, Um, And you also need to understand the, you know, whether it's simple, complex, all these, all these different things, you really need to have an understanding of that. And if you don't have an understanding, reach out to somebody who does, whether it's a colleague or maybe someone in your office, but really this is not something where you kind of want to guess. Also the rules, income and principle for taxation is different than income and principle for uh, trust accounting purposes. And it varies by state. So again, um, it's just something to be mindful of. These rules are different. You do need to pay attention, right? It's not all rules. It's not gap across the country for all transactions. So it's something to be, to be mindful of.
1: Well, let um, me ask you a question, yeah. Jim. So if, if, uh, if let's say a new client were to come to you uh, today uh, in, in, on average, how long does it take for that estate planning process, the trust formation, all of that, how long does that take um, to occur?
0: Yeah, I would say on a foundational, so foundational estate planning, which think of as a layer cake. So you start with the bottom layer and that's your revocable living trust, revocable living trust. That's a grantor trust. Uh, The income goes to the grantor. It's revocable. No separate tax return is filed. The service cycle. That's how we talk about it internally in our firm. The service cycle is about five weeks, six weeks we do some work and we let the client, we give the client's copies of the documents and we let them hold on to them for a couple of weeks. Okay. Two, three weeks. Then they come back in and sign them. Some attorneys don't do that. They feel it confuses the client. I just don't want to be on the witness stand and say, <laughs> they say, what's your policy? Do you send clients copies of their documents before they come in and sign a stack that thick in, a, in an hour period? Uh, I want to say yes right? And then ask them, did you sure. read these documents? Yes. Do you understand them? So that's the baked in okay. kind of time. So, so
1: you're talking about um, anywhere from four to eight weeks. Something just like to, that. That's, I think that's a reasonable time. Could you do it to, a week? Just to Absolutely. do a living trust. So, so this, but the planning we're doing for the Biden tax proposal is not that foundational. I mean, yeah, you got to do that, but you've also got to be looking at how do I get this out of my estate? If I want, if I want to avoid this transfer tax, basically, which is what the capital gains tax is going to be is a transfer tax. If I I want to potentially avoid this transfer tax, now let's talk about setting up trust, irrevocable trust for kids and irrevocable trust. How long does that take? I just want to give people an idea of the timeline here, Jim, of what it really takes, because I think people don't understand that this isn't something you're going to start in November and be done by December
0: 31st. Yeah. So, you know, I... When you said start in November and be done by December 31st, we have an internal cutoff, which I believe is the beginning of September. So meaning we have a lot of people that have hired us to transfer a lot of wealth. And here's the thing. If you are transferring an $11.7 million bank account to a SLAT, which is a Spousal Lifetime Access Trust, where you make a gift of property to your spouse, you can't keep it. That's pretty straightforward. You put, you know, you got a, a 709, you put the, the 11.7 million cash. We don't see that, okay? That just doesn't happen. It's There are other things going on. People say, oh, I want to make a gift of my real estate and I want to get discounted I valuation. My
1: business.
0: My business. I, and, and so you have to get the business appraised. You have to get the entity appraised. You have to know how much to give the kids, right? Uh, based on these valuations. That all takes time. Now, again, that's not due until you your your seven hundred nines due with your ten forty, but uh, it's still a lot of work. The other thing, Tom, I'm talking to, you know, it's a very small bar when when I'm not a bar like you go to, but a very small bar like lawyer bar. Here's what has happened in our industry for the last ten years: nobody, and I'm paraphrasing, nobody's been doing advanced planning. I mean, to your point, you have a twenty-two million dollar exemption, twenty-four million dollar exemption, whatever it is, as you go through time. People say, I don't need to do advanced planning. I got a $10 million estate. Before 2012, that was a very busy uh, area of practice. Here's what's happened in 10 years: a lot of people have retired and no one's been trained. So just think about that. Think of all the baby boomers who are stopping practicing law just at the time when there's a surge in demand for these services. So I would say if you kind of if you're a, a tax professional and you look at your top clients and you go, wow, anyone over 10 million should consider gifting, I'd put a punch list together and pick up the phone and start calling them and then match them up with a lawyer. Uh, and you may have to go out of your state, quite frankly, because if you're in a, I don't want to say a podunk state, don't, don't get this the wrong way, but these are very sophisticated plans. Many times you have to go to big cities. You've got to go to you know, New York, DC, California, Illinois. Those are kind of the big states where a lot of this planning is done. And it's just, it's hard. You're not going to get that from typically from your local, certainly not your general practitioner, but even an estate planning practitioner, this is very esoteric. Um,
1: well, on top of that, we, we have now this situation, we, we've always been a believer in wealth ability that income tax and state tax should be done together because they affect each other. But now we have a case where it's pretty clear that they affect each other and where you have, and I find that most estate planning attorneys are really good in estate tax and gift tax Mm -hmm. and really bad in income tax. And I find most, uh, I find CPAs to be, um, when they're good in tax planning, they're doing income tax planning, but they're not very good in estate planning. So this combination, you were talking about having the team get together. Mm -hmm. I'm I'm a huge believer of that. Talk about a little bit, how important it is to actually have the accountant and the attorney and, and where, whatever other financial professionals are involved.
0: Yeah. You, I mean, you'll have a a litany of them, but here's, here's how closely you need to be involved. Everyone needs their own. Everyone needs each other's cell phone number. So you can text everyone needs permission to talk on a Saturday afternoon or a a Tuesday evening. This is stuff where, you know, you might have a call with uh, somebody you're working closely with on a drive to or from work. That's the, closeness you know you can't be going through assistance and have gatekeepers because there, there there's a lot of back and forth there's a lot of communication in order to get it done correctly and um, and I, I mean I hate to say it but I hate to say you're out of time but here we are in July and it's it just about out of time right just about out of time frankly
1: yeah that, that's the way I'm looking at it. I'm going if we're not talking to our clients this month, we're done because we're not going to find an estate planning attorney yep. who's available. We're not going to find a valuation specialist who can do the valuations. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's just not enough. Like you say, it's a small bar. Well, it's it's that with all of these professions, right? So uh, the valuation professionals, there's not enough of them. They're they've got a lot of pressure. And remember, under this bill, uh, we get right now we get valuation discounts. But until, <laughs> yeah. and I don't know if you remember, you noticed that in the green book, there are no value discounts, okay? So if you have a, a property that's worth uh, $2 million, then 10% of that is uh, under the proposal is $200,000 transfer. It's not a discounted by 30 or 40% like we normally do. That's so right. we have this window off chain. Now, the way I look at it, I'd like your take on this. I'm going, okay, what are the chances of this passing? Some could say it's maybe one percent maybe it's five percent okay what are the chances of your house burning down what are the chances of you getting sued and yet you have insurance for those things why wouldn't you have insurance for this because the reality is if I look at it look let's say you do all this planning. let's say it costs you ten fifteen thousand dollars even and let's say that come November it doesn't pass all right well that's an insurance policy and that's and that's what that is. But what if you didn't have the insurance and your house burned down? How would you feel then? Terrible. So,
0: <laughs> but I would just say, it's not 10 or 15,000. I will tell you, when clients come in and they have a $30 million estate, it's 30 to 100 by the time you're Oh, done. I
1: get that. But I'm talking about the person with two or $5 million. Oh, oh yeah. That's well, not you know, the problem that, here's because the here's the thing, account. the $30 million people, they're doing estate planning, okay? Yeah, yeah. But, but the, But the people with, here's the problem. You know, it, it's been years and years and years pre Obama, right? Since we had an exemption, an exclusion as low as a million dollars.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Been a long time. I mean, I remember when it was 600,000. Okay. Yeah, That's that how old I
0: am.
1: But we really basically have a $1 million exclusion now on, on this capital, on this proposed capital gains tax. So it's going to apply to a lot of people, especially when you look at the housing market. And I mean, I don't know that there are actually, houses in California that don't have a million dollars of gain in them. Um, I haven't seen them, actually, <laughs> not the big cities, but, uh, but the point is that I just think this affects a lot more people than than people think, and those people wouldn't normally do estate planning, okay, you're doing some fairly simple stuff here. You, you can do a SLAT, you can do, you know, or a children's trust, whatever you want to do. What, what I find also, though, is that, and, and maybe you can talk about this, uh, Jim, is I think People who haven't even thought about estate planning, let's say they're in their 30s or 40s, okay, and they've got businesses that are worth five, 10 million dollars, or they will be worth five or 10 million dollars. Um, it takes some time for them to figure out what do they want to have happen with their money.
0: Oh, you're absolutely right. And if you know, all are part of this, depending on what part passes, the planning, the the planning that will have to be done will not be over it it's not going to be a year it's not going to be two or three years it will be decades right. okay because here's the thing there is have been a tremendous amount of wealth creation in you know the last x number of years 30 years 40 years whatever it is people are wealthier now you know i've been practicing 25 years and a million dollar inheritance was a big deal 25 years ago now awesome. there's so much money out there
1: right.
0: and it's worth protecting it's worth protecting from all threats you know, a big threat for many, um, many of your watchers here, viewers, is divorce. You know, if, if, you, if a parent leaves assets to a child, that, that is their separate property typically when, you know, when somebody passes away and they get an inheritance, but it can become community or marital property if you're in a separate property state pretty easily and subject to a 50-50 division at divorce. So that's one thing that my clients are focused on is protecting their intergenerational wealth, protecting it from the government, protecting it from divorce. Right, the future ex-son-in-law and the future ex-daughter-in-law.
1: So let's talk a little bit about, um, I'd like to know your thoughts, what's going to happen to um, trust? Now, presumably when we go down, let's say this thing passed, okay, mm-hmm. in some form, okay, and we do have this capital gains tax on a transfer, okay, then um, what does that do to typical estate planning? So for example, um uh, uh defective trusts. what is it was it due to to slats what, because all of those would be taxable transactions right anytime yeah, they do, would no they would so um trust so we, would be a taxable transaction
0: yeah so in the world of trusts we we there are two big bifurcations or two big divisions two, two sets of divisions right revocable trust, which is your typical living trust, and irrevocable trust, which is basically everything except a living trust, okay? So those are the two, two hemispheres. The other one is grantor status or non-grantor status. Now, a living trust is going to be, I mean, I, lawyers never say always, but it's always going to be a grantor trust, it's, basically. It's grantor trust. But uh, an irrevocable trust can be a grantor trust or a non-grantor trust. And there's a, a big, as you guys know, there's a big difference in the way it's taxed. And so grantor trusts are a tremendously powerful tool where a, a, a parent can transfer, make a gift of property to a grantor trust, and then the parent is liable for the tax, even though the gift has been made to the kids. And a lot of people have a hard time, accountants, CPAs have a hard time understanding this. It's in Internal Revenue Code Section 675, but it's a, it's a backdoor way of giving more without incurring a gift tax. Now, that can be structured as a gift to a intentionally defective, irrevocable grantor trust, also known as an idiot, terrible name, uh, or it can be structured as a sale. The advantage of structuring it as a sale is that if you're the grantor and you sell it to your grantor trust, that's not a taxable event, right? Because you're selling it to yourself. You're not gonna pay tax on it. That may be the way around all of this. I doubt it. but That may be the way, that may be the key, but you know, I'm sure they would probably close that. I give this, I get to tell you, this realization of gain on death I mean, I could see it passing because people don't understand it. This is pretty complicated stuff, okay? Mm-hmm. On the other hand, it's pretty draconian, and it's going gonna, it's gonna to affect a lot more people than I believe should be affected from a policy standpoint. I'll just, I'll just well, put that out there.
1: <laughs> no, no question. And then the question is, uh, are, they, are they really serious when they are considering doing both an estate tax and – a trend and, and, and yes. a capital gains tax. Yes, because, is- uh, I, I ran I, I ran computations um, in in your beloved state, and you could end up on a hundred million dollar asset um, passing on eight million dollars. Yeah, for, for your kids. I mean, it's yes. that big of a of a tax liability potentially um, because of the combination of in of, of capital gains tax and income. Yeah, tax I mean, you know, and estate state tax. So hopefully that doesn't happen. But but still, there's this idea of okay, well maybe there just should be no step up in basis. We tried that before, right? That was uh, we tried that back in the 70s. Didn't work. But we decided we're going to try it again because we have we, we can't remember back to the 70s um, that it didn't work. Uh, but my point is is that I, I think that the real emphasis I, I want to get to everybody today and and is that your point you made this point earlier. Um, you're almost too late to start. Yeah. Okay. And so if you don't start right now, then you're in trouble. And I, I, I think your clients are in trouble and they have, and they're going to blame you. Okay. And all you have to do is give them a choice. That's all you have to do. They don't have to do it. But you say, look, here's what happens. If you do it, this is the cost. Here's what happens. If you don't do it, this is the potential cost. Do you want the insurance? And uh, I I think that uh, to me, that's the big deal right now, that we need to look at that. Obviously we need to continue following the legislation, see where that goes. Um, And hopefully, you know, Senator in Montana or, you know, my Senator here from Arizona or somebody will, um, you know, wise up and say, well, wait a minute, we can't really really confiscate people's uh, um, assets when they die or when they make a gift for that matter, so. Uh, but we'll, we'll, we'll see what happens. What are, um, if, if you could like list two or three things that you think people should be doing right this minute, what would you say they are?
0: Um, well, I think they should be doing, uh, one thing is they should be doing, uh, especially for the business owner tax planning. Do I, if I can accelerate income into this year, should I accelerate it into this year or wait till next year? Kind of a no brainer. Um, if you're going to effectuate a 1031, that's on the chopping block. Right. Whatever happens on that, you know, I don't know. But I would also suggest that for those of you who are not, uh, who are less engaged with your clients than you would like to be, it's okay to reach out to your clients and say, hey, I'm just checking in. Uh, Because I will tell you as a consumer, because I I don't do my own taxes. I use a, a CPA firm. I really appreciate that. And and that's just a, a, a great value add, and frankly uh, justifies a higher fee that you would be charging to your to your client to check in and do planning. So, um, but also picking the right lawyer, and this is one thing I cover in my book, Estate Planning, uh, Savvy Estate Planning, is picking the right lawyer. How do you do it? <laughs> right, this is not the purview of generalist, right? And the, even the guy like the. The, the solo guy who kind of does living trusts, uh, kind of from his house, and maybe, but I will tell you, this ends up being kind of boutique firms, okay? And, and that's where you'll see a few partners and some associates and some staff. Those are the people that can grind out the 25 LLCs and the limited partnership and keep all the paperwork straight, because it is an overwhelming, I will tell you, an overwhelming amount of paperwork.
1: Well, it is, and I'll add one more thing to that, and that is finding an estate plan attorney who actually understands anything about income tax is like a big win, for me um because it's really rare so you, you talk about you know the the bar is small you're just you're talking about estate planning attorneys but when you talk about estate planning attorneys you actually have some con concept of income tax and how the income tax law works that gets a really 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 small so i i, I totally agree um, um once again the book is hold it up here we go savvy
0: estate planning savvy
1: estate planning
0: what you uh, need to know before you talk to the right lawyer
1: that's awesome so thank you so much jim really All appreciate right. you coming on uh i just think uh now is the time and it's now or never frankly oh yeah um, for sure. because uh like you say september is going to be too late i think august is probably even going to be too late so we'd better get this word out call our clients you know what it's a simple phone call Like you say, Jim, clients love to hear from us, especially when it's good news. And the good news is, guess what? You may not, if we do some planning now, you may not have any of these consequences that they're talking about in the Wall Street Journal and and the news and and so forth from the Biden tax plan because we can plan for all that if we do it right now. So this is the good news, clients love it. Um, I have a client that that (laughs) her message on her phone says, uh look forward to talking to you especially if it's good news so with that just remember that when we're taking that extra effort uh to to pick up the phone like jim says, pick up the phone call the clients and involve the attorney involve everybody in this team approach then we're always going to have better practice i'm sorry we're going to always have a better. we're always going to have better clients a better practice and a better life we'll see y'all next time
0: You've been listening to the WealthAbility for CPA show. Better clients, better practice, better life. To learn more, go to WealthAbility.com. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.